Hello and welcome to Stay Paid, the sales and marketing podcast from Reminder Media on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business so you can live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. My name is Joshua Stike. And with me, as always, is Luke Akery. What's up, everybody? How's it going today, Luke? Dude, I'm I'm feeling really, really good. Yeah? You know why? Because we just ate pizza. We did just eat That's pizza, why. honestly. Yeah. Which maybe it's a bad idea before you get on a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, I'm feeling really good because, you know, we've had some changes in our business. And as you guys know, obviously, we're running a business as we do this podcast. And one of the changes is, unfortunately, we've made some transitions in our finance department. And I've had to get in there. <laughs> right? And I've had to get into the our, nuts our and bolts. Our chief financial officer. Yeah, I'm our chief yeah. financial officer yeah. right now. Like, I'm literally processing payroll. Like, to give you guys, and a lot of people listening to this will be like, you're crazy, man. Like, how are you processing <laughs> payroll right now? But but it's so How did we let awesome. you get in there and process yeah. payroll? That's or, or probably is... the better question. How did you let Luke get in there and process payroll? But it's so good. And the reason why I feel so good is so good to get into the nuts and bolts of your business. And for all of the people listening to this that are maybe a little further along in their entrepreneurial journey and their building of a business journey, a lot of times you're running things and you don't get to get in and do things at the nuts and bolts level. Yeah, And it's so refreshing to get back into the nuts and bolts and realize nothing is as bad as it seems. That's good. The (laughs) wolf, the wolf, Always is a bunny rabbit. That's a better takeaway than I thought that was going to. So that's good. So nothing is as bad (laughs) as it seems. And getting into the nuts and bolts of your business is really sometimes can be super refreshing. So if you feel disconnected, I'd encourage everybody to get in the nuts and bolts of their business. So I'm feeling good today. It's going to be a great podcast. because Our guest today is definitely in the nuts and bolts of her business. Her name is Mashid Bargasavar. I'm I'm looking at her to make... Yes! (laughs) I was so impressed with you, man. That's awesome. (laughs) I thought you were going to butcher that. Mashid is one of the most preeminent residential real estate brokers in Las Vegas since 2006 with Mm. over $100 million in sales. Mashid is one of the top 3% realtors in Las Vegas, Nevada. She's been named top producer by Realty One Group and is a member of the Young Professional Network's Top 40 Under 40 Hall of Fame. Two years ago, she opened her own brokerage, Mashid Real Estate LLC. And in addition to her professional accolades, she's also very involved with giving back to the community with her involvement in Make-A-Wish and anti-bullying organizations, which is so awesome, and shares the proceeds of her commissions to these charities. Mashid, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now I'm it's, excited to be on here. Now, it's awesome to have you. I'm excited to actually get you on. I was really hoping when I reached out to you. I actually um, reached out to Mashid. We had met at a conference, um, but I reached out to her on Instagram. and was really hoping to get the opportunity to interview you because just what Josh read, I am always so interested to hear people who've been there now and done it, especially someone like you who has been in the top percent of real estate agents and you've built a really successful business. And I'm really curious on the interview today because you're in the Las Vegas market and I know you deal with like luxury homes. I'm really curious to pick your brain on how to get into the luxury market because I know that's something that a lot of real estate agents want to get into. They want to get into working with high net worth clients and stuff like that. But if you could kind of start off, we always start off the podcast having, you know, you introduce yourself to the audience. If you could kind of give us the Cliff Notes version of your life, you know, how did you get into real estate? How has your journey been? How has it brought you to who you are today? Uh, So I actually, I kind of fell into real estate when I moved to Vegas. Uh, After I graduated college in California, I went to San Jose State. I just moved to Vegas to work with my dad's business. Uh, at the time, because it was basically the only thing I could do where I would basically feel like I was self-employed. 
Uh, I didn't want to use my degrees and apply for a company or anything. I just wanted the freedom and make mm. easy money, basically, at the time. <laughs> yeah, so I was working in my dad's business. And then a few years into it, I saw it's not really the best idea to work with the family business. And at that time... <laughs> I could yeah. I could give some comments on that, but I won't. <laughs> yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it was driving me nuts. So I did learn a lot. Like my dad really instilled in me like confidence and the confidence to deal with anybody, like no matter if they're the president or GM of a company, it doesn't matter who they are, he would throw me in front of them and make me do things. So he gave me the confidence to deal with, you know, just anybody. And I was only like 21, 22 at the time. Um but like a few years into it, around 2006, the real estate market in Vegas was booming. And then my brother and my dad wanted to buy properties. So we started like buying properties and flipping them. And they're like, why don't you just get your real estate license so that at least when we're buying, you get a commission. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know, so I just got my license. And then I didn't want to work with my dad and family anymore. That business was kind of going to going down. Okay. Am I allowed to cuss on here or no? So yeah. <laughs> you are more than welcome to. We'll just put a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Um, yeah, anyway, so I kind of fell into it. The biz- I left the business because it was going down, and then I started focusing only on real estate at that time, basically. So... So you actually fall into real estate doing flips and rentals. So I'm, did I hear you right? You did rentals as well as flips or just flips? No, we were just flipping. We flipped okay. a couple properties really quick because the Vegas market in 2006 was so hot. Okay. Like between 2006 to 2008, it was so hot. So we bought properties and flipped them. And then by 2008, like the market started crashing by the end of 2008. Yep. Uh, so I had like, Two properties of my own, and I had taken like a hundred thousand dollars out of one of them and put it into a land deal. Like, oh, really? I was okay. Doing, yeah, and I was only like, you know, in my early twenties, so I barely knew. I knew nothing about investing. Nothing really. I would just be like, okay, okay, let me do this. Okay, and then I lost everything basically. Um, so you lost when, everything in the crash. So when when it all yeah. crashed, you lo- oh wow. Yeah, the crash and like my dad's business is going down, like a lot of drama. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, 2008 was the crash. And then I had a broker in 2008 um, who decided to steal my commissions. I had like three big uh. deals closed at one time. They were like three luxury homes um, in Lake Las Vegas. And it was $283,000 that she stole. No so then way. I had oh. a lawsuit added onto the. Meanwhile, I have no money, lawsuit, like I was like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Because I basically throw myself head first, you know, right. like without knowing anything. But that's all how I learn business and everything that I do now. So. Th- that, that actually is a golden nugget because the reason why I say that is I think of the real estate agents that I've had the privilege to ha- develop a close relationship with that have been successful and this really extends way further than real estate. They don't really know, like they do now. So I'm not beating them up, but they don't know what they're doing. They literally <laughs> just went, like they went head first. And you hear the analogy all the time with entrepreneurs, like you got to be like Cortez, where you burn the ships. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get there and you're just like, we're not going home. We're burning the ships. You go all in. And you try it. And I think that's a common trait of entrepreneurs and a common trait of successful business people is they just do and they don't let that paralysis by analysis, as corny and cliche as that sounds, they don't let that 
set in on them. And the truth is the best way to determine the best strategy is to just do a strategy because it will self-evolve itself. When you have to win or when you have to figure out a contract or you have to figure out how to get yourself out of this lawsuit, you become really resourceful, as Tony Robbins says. I mean, you become super resourceful. So that is not uncommon. So I just give that out to the audience. Correct. Totally. So that like forced me to go on the right path because also my dad had lost everything he had too. So he was just gone and in his own world, like left country, marry his third wife. So it's like I had <laughs> nobody to count on. I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? My mom's like, move back and, you know, what live with me and apply for a job. I'm like, no, like the last <laughs> thing I could do is work for somebody else. Really? You know? Where did that but come from? Just, I'm curious. You knew from such a young age, like where did that come from? Not wanting to work from somewhere, for someone else. I don't know. I honestly, it was just always the way I am. Um, when I got my first job at like 15, after that, I had a few other sales jobs like at Wet Seal, at Macy's, at Nordstrom. I had so many jobs and I kept getting fired at every single one of them. <laughs> I got fired for reasons because I couldn't li- like I didn't like to listen to what they had to tell me. Yeah. And the only job I didn't get fired was in college. Um, I became an independent contractor for Christian Dior fragrances. Okay. Meaning when I was there in the department store selling the fragrances, I had no boss there. Right. You could do whatever you want. Yeah. Exactly. So for after four years, I actually had to resign, you know, because I'm like, shit, I know what I'm doing. I don't need somebody to be behind me constantly telling me what to do. Uh, I know what I'm doing. I just need the freedom to be me and be creative, you know? I love that. So walk us through, you know, the crash happens. You have a lawsuit. How'd you come out of it? Like, how did you build this real estate business? What what did that journey look like? And I honestly, I made a long story short. I actually had three lawsuits at one time. Oh, my gosh. Two my dad's businesses. Oh, really? So, yeah. And then I had liens on my properties. So, it's like, not only did I lose everything and become bankrupt, like, I had, it, it was like lawsuits. It was just like one after another after another for like three years. It was like 2006, 2009. Mm. That's when I was forced. I know it sounds so... Weird, but that's when I was forced on this, like, spiritual path, I guess. Sure. Like, that's when I started believing in, like, whatever you want to call it, the universe or God. Cause sure. Like, I had no- nobody and no other choice, and that kind of fell upon me also, you know? I just suddenly, like, saw, what's his name, Joel Osteen? Yeah, Joel Osteen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw him on TV. I'm like, who's this guy, you know? And I'm just listening as I'm, like, dying here, having no money, not knowing what to do. Um, and he just made kind of sense. And then like that night when I went shopping, I was at Walmart. I saw his book in front of my face. I'm like, Oh, well maybe I'll get it. I got his book, read the whole thing. And then after that, I got more and more spiritual books. And that like, I don't know, but that did something for me, you know, it just, it gave you, okay, well, if you do the right thing, plant the right seeds and have a large amount of faith and be a good person and keep your focus and, you know, stay on path, like doors will open. And it did. <laughs> I miraculously somehow got through all of it without barely having any money. You know, like I found angelic attorneys that had my back for like, you know, half the money or something, but it worked. That's incredible. I, I love that. I am a firm believer in this idea that you have to have a purpose and a meaning that is bigger 
than the materialistic things of this world. When you find yourself, because you see a lot of people, they might not be in the same predicament. You were at the bottom, no money, lawsuits. There's people at the low bottom. Yeah, there's the low, low, low bottom. There's people at the top of the mountain, all the money in the world, all these things going for them. And they still feel the same thing someone at the lowest point feels. And you have to have a purpose and a meaning that's bigger than just the materialistic thing. So I think that's amazing. So walk us through. You get on this path. You have this meaning. Now you're, you're, you're starting to understand kind of you got these railroad tracks laid. Translate that, like how did the, that translate into the business? How did the, the leads start coming? How did you start building the business? So honestly, it took, it took a really long time, you know? It was like a slow, gradual build. But at the same time, like I had to take little risks and those risks were like gut feelings or intuitive nudges. Like I was listening to myself. So like at the time after I lost my houses and I was forced to finally leave my house, I had this idea to rent a luxury high rise with barely any money. Keep in mind, I had like nothing. I only had money saved from the amount of rent I was getting from a home I owned. The tenant was paying me rent while it was in foreclosure, basically. So I saved up that rent money, if that makes hmm, sense. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. There's, that's true. So whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm <laughs> like awesome. that luxury high rise that was just built. It literally, 2006, it got, it was built and it was up and running. I thought that building would bring me business. I need to go in there. And I took a risk and I knew somebody who owned a unit there and I made a deal with him and rented the place out. I literally moved in with no furniture. I had a computer on the ground, no furniture because I sold that. <laughs> That's so awesome. <clears throat> yeah. And in that building at the time was like ghost town. Barely anybody lived there. But like I just had a feeling. And then every day I would wake up and just trust my myself, like what I need to do. I would start talking to people in the building. I would take other people's listings and I would put it on Craigslist for rent because I had no, like no way of advertising and no money, you know? So yeah. I'd start putting stuff on Craigslist. Then I would go into the sales office of the building and I would talk, become friends with the girls there. And then I would tell the girls, listen, if you ever have anybody that needs this and that, send them to me because there are certain things they couldn't do at the sales office. And they did. So between that and Craigslist and meeting my neighbors every day, like putting myself out there and trying, like I started getting business within the building, like a little rentals here and there kept me going. Like I would make $500 commissions off these rentals and then I would make my $1,100 per month rent. Actually 17, sorry. That is so good. (laughs) That is so good. There's so many golden strategies really in there. Could you, I want to make sure I understand the Craigslist one because I, I think that is really, really unique. You took other people's listings, you put them on Craigslist, and I'm assuming you had your number there. So when people on Craigslist saw the listing, they're interested, they're calling you. Yes, exactly. So when I first started that, though, I didn't know it. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, correct. I I just like that. It's very, very, um, let's say, survivor mode. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, but I got in trouble. So then... I saw that there is this property manager who had all these listings in the building for rent. And she was an old lady, couldn't always make it to the building. So I made a deal with her. I was like, listen, I'll help you lease these. Give me all the keys and let me advertise them. And I'll show them and I'll lease them. And you don't even have to come here. There you go. And she allowed it. Like there was always like something that would pop up, like some kind of opportunity somehow, you know? And you had good intent. I feel like these little angels, like living angels that would help me. I, 
I also love you. You became friends with all the sales uh, girls, you called it. Like, so that I'm assuming the people who are showing the units and all that stuff when people come into the building and stuff. Um, so you become friends with all of them. Yes. Like, which, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you. you're good. Please. That girl to this day is my friend. She referred me because they couldn't do rentals. So she referred me to this guy who's looking for a rental. Okay. This guy also saw my listing on Craigslist for rent as well. But that same property that I had for rent, I also, the owner was like, well, I'm open to selling it too. And I was like, oh, okay. This guy was, it literally changed my life. He was an all cash investor who bought 70 something properties from me, basically. No So the way. second I met him, my life changed in 2009. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Until this day, we're still, we're still, he still has, he has like 30 something properties left here now because we've sold a bunch of them. But between 2009 till now, he's still my client, 10 years. So he, one person changed my life. But also before I met him, I had saw, I had seen like in this mark, that market, which was a downturn, you know, it was like the recession. I saw agents had all these cash buyers and I'm like, where are they getting them from? You know, right. like who are these cash buyers buying sight unseen? I'm like, I want one. I want one, you know? <laughs> so I kind of put that intention out there that. I want all cash buyer to buy sight unseen and then it appeared somehow. <laughs> but but that's why I was saying like when you're on that right path of being the right person and doing good every day and da, 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 like those, I like to call them God sent, but anybody mm. can call them what they want. But those people appear when mm. you're on the right path and you're like aligned. That makes sense. Now, I love that. You find one yeah. person, I think one golden nugget to take away from that for sure is one, it's all about the relationships that you're next to. You befriending the people, talking to your neighbors, and then never underestimate that one person. And I will tell you this from my experience. A lot of times the people that can change your life, they don't come in a package that looks like the person that's going to yeah. change your life. <laughs> they, they, no, exactly. Yeah, come off the show. It's crazy. <laughs> Totally. You never, ever know. Yep. Yeah. You would have never thought some of the richest people, some of the most generous people, some of the most people that, I mean, they, they don't look it. They don't look like they're the people that are going to change your life and they, they end up doing it. So walk no. me through this. And the, he even hit oh. on me first. Too. <laughs> so I was like, what? No. Yeah. He totally hit on me. I'm like, no, if you're serious, send me your proof of funds. And he's like, okay. So like that night when he flew back from Vegas, he lives in Houston. He actually sent me an email with his like $10 million proof of funds. And he was like, I'm serious. So this is what I want to do. I want to keep buying and buying and buying. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) That is so awesome. So you get this person, you're doing a ton of investments. How was your business translated from those investments? Right? Because that's one person like... Obviously, you know, you can't just depend on that. So how did it spread there from there to, to grow your database and then to grow like what does your business look like today? Is it a lot of investments? Is it a small pool of investors and buyers or do you have a big database? Like, could you give us some details of kind of what your business looks like today and how it grew from just that one person that changed your life? Yeah. Well, with him, I mean, he kept me so busy buying and buying and buying and buying. And then as he was buying and I'm busy, it just kind of like, you know, I would attract other investors or it was mostly investors for a long time. Um, Vegas, almost 70% of buyers between like 2009 to 2000, I'd say 14, 15 were all investors. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. The recession hit us hard. It was nuts. 
So I was just working with all these all cash investors and again, I would meet a lot of them in the building that I lived in, you know, and then all going out and relationships and, and then referrals. It's like the doors just kept starting to open, you know, and as you're, I feel like I was just so focused too. And my energy was so into it that it would just keep appearing, I guess you could say at that time, you know, but for me too, I was like, okay, I'm making this money. Now I need to do something with it. Cause I don't ever want to lose everything I ever had again. Like, I don't want to have that feeling of living month to month or having nothing, you know, because for yeah. like three and a half years, I barely had any money ever. Like I had people like a friend in the building buying me a couch. Like I never wanted to have that feeling. So, and, but then I had filed bankruptcy. So I had no credit. I had no way of getting finance. I'm like, how the hell am I going to start investing myself? You know? Mm. So, um, I thought maybe if I find an investor like that guy who has a shit ton of cash, maybe he would partner with me or something, you know, and we'd go 50, 50 and I'd find the properties and then, you know, I put cash, he'd put more cash, but we'd still be 50, 50. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. He'd be no, like my bank in a sense. Yep. No, yeah. It makes perfect sense. Investment. Yeah. Yeah. So by 2013, I was able to do that and I started buying properties again because I found Again, a God sense investor who is my business partner now. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. It seems yeah. like a ton of your business is referral based uh, from kind of yeah. what I'm hearing from you. It's a ton of referral relationship driven business. So I'm curious, how do you nurture your relationships? Like, how do you make sure in your kind of strategy in your mind for all the agents listening to this and really any business, like, how do you make sure you're keeping those people feeling like you care, like you're keeping in touch with them so they don't forget you? Honestly, um, funny, for 13 years, I didn't even use the CRM system until just recently because I'm like, really, I need to be better with nurturing them and being sure. in touch with them because I haven't been. But for some reason, so many of my clients during those years and those investors actually were my became friends. Mm. Majority of them, I'd say, became friends. So it was actually really easy for me to keep in touch with them naturally. It was just naturally, you know, I wasn't using a system or anything like that. They were friends. But at this point, like after so long, I'm like, okay, I want to again, take my business to the next level. Sure, yeah. So I finally got a CRM system to be able to, you know, cause I'm not gonna have more clients and I don't think I can be best friends with every single You don't need any more friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I love them. That's the thing too about what I what will say. It's like God. I meet with like some of the most incredible people, yep. you know. But I also meet some of the most horrible people too. So, um, what yeah, do you do? Have what do you do with those horrible people? I'm just curious because I've I been. I kind of refer them out. Okay, so you, you know, get rid of I them. I like to refer them out um, because at this point, it's like I don't really want to deal with the wrong energy. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy who I work with, enjoy what I do. And even I, even in the beginnings too, it's like when I had nothing, I really didn't like dealing with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I want to deal with the right people, you know, and cause your time is valuable and your energy is valuable. And I feel like if you stick to that too, trying to deal with the people that you feel best with, you'll like make best use of your time. You know, you'll make money quicker. Things will happen quicker. But if you waste your time with the wrong people, it's like draining. No, I agree 100 percent. That's a struggle that a lot of agents deal with. And, and even us, you, you got to be willing to fire bad clients. And that ex yeah. that's really hard when you're eating ramen noodles. 
Um, it's really, really hard. And there's a balance, I always tell everybody, you got to pay your dues, right? So um, it's like a musician's not going to just be famous right away. They got to play in the bars and they got to pay their dues. So sometimes you got to, you know, you got to take the lower end deals and stuff like that. And you got to hustle and grind it out. But at the same time, you got to know your worth and you got to know, hey, I'm not going to work with this client. And you've got to be confident enough in yourself to be able to walk away from a deal. And what I've found, and I don't know if this is something that you've found in your life, I've found your confidence will actually win that deal for you. Your willingness to walk away will, is what will be the fact of you getting the deal. Because people are oh just God, drawn yeah. to that that willingness to like, don't tell me you don't, it's not you, it's me, Josh. It's not you. No, no, me. I need you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so meaning like it's even in the breakup, but you know, that confidence. You seem like your dad, obviously you said instilled a ton of confidence in you, right? What's your yeah. biggest challenge today in the Las Vegas market it's a competitive market. It seems very hot and booming, as they would say. Um, what's your biggest challenge right now as a, as a real estate agent to stand out? Uh, I think I want a lot more. You know, I want newer buyers, newer listings, more luxury. Like Vegas is finally out of the like, you know, short sales and foreclosures yep. and out of the investors more people buying luxury now, you know, so our market's growing. So I guess that would be, I think, the biggest thing, just transitioning into more luxury buyers, not just all investors, you know? Yep. But I don't see I don't see it as competition. I'm just so focused on myself and trying to be the best that I could be and like make my website the best, do mm. this the best, that I don't really see it as competition because I feel like the right people will work with me. That's you know? a great attitude. No, that is, that is a great attitude. Um, and it also yeah. saves you from the battle of comparison, where you're always constantly looking behind at your competition and you end up falling in a ditch because you're not focused forward. You're looking behind at your competition. You never want to be trapped there. So can you tell me, like, what is the, you know, you're trying to get to this and working in this luxury market. What are some of the things you're doing to generate leads or how are the leads coming to you? How does that look for you in your day to day? If you were kind of speaking to the audience and they're trying to figure out how to generate leads, what are some of the ways you're doing that? You know, any idea that comes to me, I do. I'm sending out mailers. I'm spending money on SEO and PPC right now, okay. which, you know, to try to capture them through online because everything's online. You mm -hmm. know, people are always on the phone. People are Googling. So if they're Googling, I need to come up which is why I redid my website so that it's more of a luxury website and it has more, you know, it has access to MLS, luxury stuff. It's just, I have it set up right to be able to capture those. So mostly, honestly, right now online and sending out mailers and then I continue putting myself out there. Like I have like a mastermind group I'm part of or okay. I'm going to specific like economic events in Vegas, just a lot of beneficial things to be around the right people. Like I want to be around more business people in the city that can either be buyers or sellers or be referrals, you know? And you mentioned before we came on the podcast that you're having a ton of, of leads right now. So you have a ton of leads and you're looking to, you know, maybe get another agent. I saw a post on your Instagram. You're also big, big on Instagram. Uh, so everybody's yeah. got to follow you. So we'll get you to, you know, share your handle at the end. But, um, when you look at those leads, where are those leads majority coming through online through your SEO in your uh, pay-per-click? 
Are they majority? They're coming through that. Okay. Um, they're coming through Zillow. Uh, okay. I'm doing some advertisements with Zillow. Okay. And I hate to say that because for years I've hated like giving <laughs> anything to Zillow. Yeah, and they sure. tried and tried, you know. But right now I'm just like in the mode of I want to try new things and put it out yep. there and see what works. And then yep. if this doesn't work, I'll stop it. But it's costing a lot of money, yep. you know, all of it costs. So like when I was a new agent, I wasn't doing any of this. But I was banking on social media, which I forgot to say. I got one of my first clients ever from MySpace. He bought like a four hundred thousand nice. dollars property <laughs> from that MySpace. Nice. I swear, yeah, MySpace. So you've been at After this game that, for a while. <laughs> he sent me a referral. Then I got myself a magazine article because I was like, I went to this magazine in Vegas, and I was like, I'm doing real estate business off social media, and you need to write an article about That's it. That's awesome. And they did. So then I was banking on social media. That's why I like I have the followers that I do on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. I started it so long ago. Now, um, do you find works. do you yeah do you find like your Instagram and social media accounts are getting you leads today through the DM direct messaging? Is it are you doing it like how is that working for you? Could yeah. you walk us through what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, I got I got a buyer through Facebook last year. He bought two properties. Okay, it's like from the. Uh, Bahamas or somewhere around there um, and just by instant messaging me yeah um, or I've t or it comes through DMs it comes through LinkedIn I've gotten it through every, anything it's not consistently you know but yep. it happens a couple times every year all the time how Maybe. how often are you posting on your social media so everybody listening can know I feel like almost every day okay I think you are I mean almost I'm I follow day, you I feel like day. you're on there every day um, do you have like a specific strategy or is it just more as you go about your day whatever you feel you just post no yeah it's not very strategic at all it's okay. just like if it comes to me I'm doing it you know I yep. just listen to myself but maybe I might add that also I might my guy that does all the PPC and SEO and stuff for me now, they also do social media, so I may add that as well. Okay. But I'm already spending so much per month right now, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got to start producing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Then I'll, I'll up it, you know? But I'm just trying to open all doors. And social media, I mean, the world is on social media, you know? Like, everybody's on their phone all the time. Oh, like I agree. Wants easy access to everything. So, so, so much, so much attention is there. That's where the attention is. So much attention. So you seem to be at a place in your business where you've really, you're doing almost the max of what you as one single agent can do. And so now you're looking to, to create what I like to call as operational leverage. Mm -hmm. This is something that a broker out in Seattle taught me, Leonard Schiffman, is this, this idea of operational leverage. And it's what you do as a business owner, what you're the best at and what only you can do. So you have a job as the CEO of your brokerage that only you as the CEO can do, and then you have the things you're gifted at. You should do those 100%, and then you should create operational leverage, which is you should leverage out to a marketing firm, your SEO and your pay-per-click, and let them do that. You should have an assistant, a transaction coordinator, and you should create oper operational leverage in your business. Can you walk me through what your advice would be in building out a team and what your strategy is because you're at that point where you're trying to hire another agent what are some of the things you're trying to do that you would share with the audience to create this operational leverage in your business so you can take it to the next level and and really go from not obviously only the top three percent but the top one percent in the whole nation 
Uh, so yeah. what are some of the things you're doing there? Uh, I think that's all, also something I'm still learning, but I did do it once in 2014. I had a team of three girls with me for like a year, okay. which actually that was one of my best years to date. Not the best, second best. Um, but I learned a lot from that. Like once it ended, because it had to end, I learned like one of the most important things in having hiring agents is they need to share similar values. Like mm. if they don't have the same values as me, it's not going to work. Like we need to be on the same page as far as what's right and what's wrong, you know? So for me, that's huge. And then also, you know, their ambition level is super big to me. Like, I had one person on the team who I'm like, are you really not awake at 11 a.m.? Like, really? Like, how is she making gonna <laughs> make me money? Yeah, yeah, you're going to have know? to, like, I would get rid of that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the time I was like, you know, I, I wasn't thinking straight, I think. I don't know, I didn't know. But yeah, so like the values, the ambition level, the, how well, it's their energy. Like they they have to have good energy. For me, energy is everything, you know? Um, if they don't have that positive mindset, I can't even deal with it. No negative thinking. Because that positive mindset is really going to help you bring everything into fruition. That's what I tell Josh, and he always brings me down. It's just this Do negative I? Nancy over here. Bring it now. Nah. Yeah, no negative Nancy. <laughs> I can't handle. Oh, my God. I'm like no. the happiest guy I just like to beat him up, you know. <laughs> I've learned the hard way. Having faith and being positive works. It really does. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and I, action behind it, you know? I couldn't agree more. Together. Like, it is not rocket science. I, I told my wife we were driving home from the gym over the weekend and I told her, I said, you know, what's so interesting about success is you have no idea and you just do. Like I, I invest in properties too. And it's like the first flip we did, I just think to myself, I go, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea if this was actually the right property or not the right property. And then we had a lot of money on the line and we just did it. And it Semi worked out for the most part. It's, semi <laughs> it's currently in the state of working but, out. But here was the point I was making to her is I said, when I get to where I want to get to with hundreds and hundreds of rentals and all those things, people are going to go, well, how'd you do it? And I'm going to say, I, I just did. I just Damn. bought the first house. I just, and that's really what you're stating on this, this podcast. It's just, it's, no one really knows, but you just buy the first house. If you, that's your thing, if you're doing a rental, if you're in sales, you just make the first phone call. You just literally yeah. just do. And then what do you do? You do it again and again. And the things that where you get hurt, you go, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to, I'm not, <laughs> not, not going to go that, that way. Again. Yeah. I'm not going to touch the stove again. So with that in mind, Mashid, I mean, tell us when you look at your life, you know, there's no magic formula for su success. But what's some routine or what are the routines and things you do in your life daily or weekly, whatever it is that has driven success for you? Well, for me, I need to feel good in order to be able to do good. So I have to wake up early in the morning, go to the gym and get my gym on. And then after that, I'm like ready and I feel good, you know, yep. then I can conduct business. So like... I can't drink much much alcohol at all because that's something that like takes me down and doesn't make me feel too good. Mm. So like I have to limit my alcohol if I want to stay on top of consistent business and success, you know. But definitely I always have to wake up early, go to the gym, get ready, do my thing, work all day. And I 
throughout the day at some point, like when I need a break or something, or even at night, I have to read a little bit or listen to an audiobook like every every day. Something that's you know, so I'm constantly learning. And it's not like it's a drag for me or like a chore. I actually love it. Like yeah. I feel like I always want to learn more mm. and learn more. Like either business stuff or like spiritual stuff, whatever to keep me, you know, going. I don't know. I enjoy it. Or inspirational stories, you know. I was listening to Josh Altman's audiobook this morning, actually. Yeah. No, yeah. he's a beast. Yeah. I, uh? I said he's a beast. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny. He actually said something about, like, what we were talking about. Like, you know, you have to take these risks or, like, what people think are risks, you know. But if you don't do or take these risks, then you never are going to get what you're dreaming of, actually, you know. So, yeah, you're going to end up in the bed you made. Most yeah. most simple people. Simple choices. Yep. Simple lives. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah, simple choices, simple lives. We hashtag that. Put that on Instagram, yeah. somebody. Put that on Josh my Instagram. Said that actually, but I'll it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Here, here, guys. Everybody listening to this right now, you cannot take care of anybody else if you haven't taken care of yourself. And most people, most people, a lot of times, this is what I suffer from. Because when you're a good person and you care about people, <laughs> uh, yeah, this, that's so egotistic. That's so narcissistic. When you're a good person, though, when you're I'm raised well, when you when you care about people, you tend to sacrifice and you give and you give and you give. And guess what? You never rest. You never feed your mind, body, and spirit. I don't know if everybody caught what she just said in her routine. Right. She fed her her mind. Yep. With reading, she fed her spirit and she fed her body physically in the sense of taking care of it, going to the gym. If you don't take care of your sh- yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. And so, and, and we as a society make, we make ourselves feel guilty when we take time for ourselves. But you don't realize if you take time for yourself, you can actually give more to other people. And it's, it's yeah. just, if it, I mean, I just, um, desperate for people to understand that truth Mm -hmm. because when you understand that truth you can actually create a better world way more than what you're doing right now running yourself ragged yep all right last question oh go ahead machine you're gonna say something go ahead and i think that's also like a cultural thing too you know like in my culture growing up like we were made to feel guilty if we don't do this and do that do what the family wants you to do at that moment in time so i kind of had to like break out of that because i'm like no, I need to make money. I need to do this and I'm going to do this for myself. So for years I had to actually feel guilty, you know, mm. because I came off as selfish, but it's not selfish. And now they understand and now they know. And know, how much more can you give back? I mean, you mentioned what was the charity? Um, make a wish. And then, yeah. yeah, your involvement with make a wish. How much more? Yeah. You can give back to those charities because you're successful. Like I, I always uh, tell people because I forget who I heard this from, and so um, can't give credit to where credits due. But who's helped more people, Mother Teresa or Bill Gates? And and that's not to knock Mother Teresa or knock Bill Gates, but the point with that statement is Mother Teresa has helped a ton of people, and she's amazing. But Bill Gates has like he because he was successful and because he built an amazing company has changed so much of the world Mm -hmm. with what he's doing. And so why? Because he has the ability to. And because you focused on building your business and what people would say is selfish, it is in a way, but it enables you to give back more than you ever could if you would have stayed small. So Right, 100%. And I think with Mother Teresa and Bill Gates, Mother Teresa also gave back in different ways. Like she gave a lot of her heart, her energy to not just money. You know what I mean? It's totally different. Yeah. 
But also people think, okay, well, if I had Bill Gates money, I would give back. But actually it's starting <laughs> to give back little by little that'll get you that kind of wealth. Yeah, what is it? You know? If you're an asshole, if you have money, you'll just be a bigger asshole. Is that what people say? <laughs> yeah. That's, I think, what people say. <laughs> All right, so last question for you. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you go back and tell your younger self? What would you oh tell God. her? What advice would you give? I would have, I wish so badly I would have invested more during the recession oh, yeah. because oh. I would have, I wouldn't even be a real estate broker right now. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> you would be uh, the investor buying 70 homes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I wish I knew, I just thought of like how to open up more ways to be able to buy more properties at that time. Because literally homes that are right now, 375,000 at that time were 150,000. Mm. It's crazy how much money you could have made. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's my biggest thing. Other than that, I don't care. All the mistakes, working with the wrong people, I don't care. But that. <laughs> so good. That's awesome. That, that, that awesome. was everything. That would have made me a multi, multi-millionaire. <laughs> that's so awesome. Oh, man. Thank you so much for being here, Masheed. Before we close, let people know how they can connect with you, what your Instagram is. Uh, thank you for having me also. Yes. My Instagram handle is mashedb, which is spelled M as in Mary, A-H-S-H-E-E-D, and then B as in boy. And then my website is mashed.com. Just mashed everything. <laughs> we will put uh, <laughs> my your... My brokerage is mashed real estate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure to link up so, to all yeah, of that I in the show notes. people found me and reached out to me. I love that after podcast episodes. It awesome. feels very, um, feels very good to know that like, the podcast was inspirational for people or help them, you know? So, yes, absolutely. I yeah. agree a hundred percent. That's why I share my story, even the bad parts. <laughs> Love it. And thank you so much for listening. If you're a client of reminder media and a member of our client toolkit, we've updated our open house kit for the spring open house season. So you can find that free this week in the client toolkit, Facebook group. Just a reminder that is a closed group. So it's for clients. If you're not a client, we still have that updated open house kit on our website. We'll link that to in the show notes as well for the uh, open house market this spring. And if you liked what you heard today here on Stay Paid, please go on iTunes. Consider giving us a five-star rating. Not consider. Give us a five-star rating. Like I, yeah, I was assuming I like, the close there. I like no. softening it. <laughs> Make sure to leave us a comment. You can also find our podcast and video on YouTube.com slash Reminder Media or StayPaidPodcast.com. Make sure to tell someone else about the podcast today. It really helps us spread the word. And if you'd like to get hold of me or Luke, please email us at podcast at ReminderMedia.com or you can find us on Instagram or LinkedIn. For this episode of Stay Paid, I am Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Acre, guys. And I'm going to close with this. I mean, the huge theme of this podcast is so obvious, is that that thing that you've been thinking about doing, just do it. Literally tomorrow, execute on that thing that you know, whether it's posting on social media and you're too nervous because you don't think you look good in pictures or you don't know how to be on a video, get on that live and do it. Whether it's making the cold calls because you don't like it and you think someone's going to hang up on you, get on the phone and do it. If you're listening to this podcast, what you'll take away is here's a top producer that has been bankrupt had lawsuits, three at one point, and now is the top producing the top 3% of real estate agents. Why? Not, and she said this on the podcast, not because she knows some golden strategy, not because there's some magic formula, because she just did it. And is there wasted money in there? Probably. Is there maybe where we went the wrong way? Probably. But in the end, because she just did it, 
where you have set back and let your fears hold you back, she's now ahead of you, even if she chose the wrong strategy because she's faster to the right strategy. And I just want to encourage all of you who are listening to this. Do the thing that you've been begrudgingly not doing because of fear holding you back. And my action item for this podcast is what are the relationships in your life that you see every single day, like the girl that she met that was doing the sales for the condo community that you can befriend and that you can build a relationship with and ultimately turn that relationship into referrals for you and for your business. Find those relationships, whether they're at the gym, whether they're your neighbor next door, that's your action item this week. Find somebody who you, in your social routine, you see them every day, but you haven't built a relationship. Build a relationship with those people. Remember, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in any business is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 